Good morning. Good morning. Good morning again. Good morning. Yeah. Thank you, Stephen, um, you know, for sharing about Naomi House. Naomi House, uh, a lot of you know, right, because we've done Naomi House. Uh, didn't do it last year. or did something virtually, but um, we've been doing it for the last three years or so. Um, it's a fantastic ministry, um, and we're blessed. I think we're blessed coming out of this pandemic to have a team uh, to go this summer, especially after, right after missing last year. And uh, may God do great things in, in the ministry of Naomi House and through the team and, and the individuals that go, as well as uh, in the lives of the kids, right, at, at Naomi House. Now, as we turn to God's word this morning, uh, I want to ask you a question. Um, and it kind of relates to thinking about um, your childhood or, you know, when you were a, a kid growing up. And you don't have to raise your hand, and I don't want you to identify yourself. Okay. But let me ask this. Have you ever been bullied? Right? Have you ever been pushed around, intimidated, threatened? And, and no, being picked on by your big brother or sister doesn't count. Right? Right? But somebody else right, trying to coerce you, trying to push you to do something, Years ago, I remember um, going to a movie premiere. So my friends and I, we s once in a while, we go to the, these movie premieres, and this was in Hollywood. And so I remember being in this um, crowded theater, right, when, when crowds weren't, right, so scary. Um, and I was sitting there before the movie started, and I was saving seats. I was saving seats for my friends who had gone to the bathroom. Right, and so um, I, I think, you know, we have mixed feelings when people save seats for those who aren't there yet. Like, oh, they're still on the freeway, you know, and, but I've got all these seats saved. Right, I think I have issues with that sometime, <laughs> sometimes. Um, but these guys, my friends, they were, they were already there. So I just want to make that clear. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then these, these three, right, tough-looking guys, Right, they approach uh, my, my row, and, and they come up, and they, they stand, and I'm sitting on the aisle, right, and the seats are on my left, and, and, and they're to the right of me. And, and they come up, and they, they want the seats. Right? They want these three seats. And, and you know how that goes. Right? There's three of them. There's one of me. Right? Um, and they, they first they question, right, or they, they ask if the seats are available. I tell them no. You know, my friends are at the restroom and they're coming back, right? Then they, they question me like, okay, where are they, right? Why aren't they here, right? Um, right, and then they start to get more assertive, more aggressive, right? They kind of step up, right? And they demand the seats. And all the while I'm thinking like, oh, <laughs> great, right? What am I, right, what am I gonna do? Um, wh where are those ushers anyways that work here? Um, and uh, you know I'm, I, I'm just you know I'm just all these thoughts are going through my mind and, and emotions too right like oh I'm going to cause this big brawl in the, in the movie theater and uh, well it all ended pretty quickly right with one swift karate chop to the neck <laughs> right. now, actually the row behind me right people I didn't know right they, they stood up for me 
right? They saw what was going on in front of them. And of course, they didn't want all this ruckus and commotion, right, in their area of the theater. But they stood up for me, right? And they told the guys to take a hike, right? Move on, like, go find your own seats. Um, and, and they did, right? These guys just, right, they, they slither, slithered away. And, uh, right, isn't this how it should be, right? Where other people, and they may not know you or you may not know them, but other people, right, they stand up for each other. Um, you know, sadly, bullying and intimidation, right, is pretty common. Uh, at the middle and high school level, they say one out of every four students are bullied each year, just each year. And if you go beyond a year, right, and you stretch out the time frame, you find that most kids, most of our children, have been bullied at one time or another. In fact, bullying is also an issue with adults or for adults. Right? Surveys show over 30% of adults have been bullied as adults. Right? Whether that be on the road, on the street, in the supermarket, um, at in the workplace. See, fear and intimidation are tactics which the world uses to try to get what it wants. And if you've ever been bullied or intimidated, right, and you think back to that time, you know the ways it can change what you do. It diverts your behavior. And when we think about it from a spiritual perspective, right, fear is a tool that the enemy uses to try to keep us from doing God's will. It's part of what we call spiritual warfare. Right? And as Christians, we want to learn how to stand strong against the bullies in our lives. Right? We sang that song, Voice of Truth. Right? And a lot of times, the enemy is trying to tell us lies, right? that you can't stand up to Goliath or to the giants in your lives or to the problems that you face. Right? And we want to learn to try to uh, not give in, right? not give in to those fears. So before we take a look at the passage, let me open us in a word of prayer. Let's, let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, we, we come before you this morning, Lord, and we, we hunger to learn from your word. And uh, I, I don't think anyone has come to, Lord, hear my voice or hear me speak um, or just to, to merely see each other, Lord, but we want to see you and we want to hear you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning and speak to us about the fear and intimidation that takes place in our lives, um, about the things that we shy away against and about how we can stand strong and how we can trust in you, Lord. So I pray that you would, um, you would bless this time and you would speak to our hearts and we would hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. As we return to... Um, the book of Nehemiah, you'll recall that Nehemiah, the prophet, right, had received a burden from God, right? And that burden is to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, right? And this was his passion. In chapters three through five, he has rallied the Jews and he's recruited all sorts of people. He's recruited uh, priests, goldsmiths, merchants, perfumers. He's included the whole community, to try and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem 
And he does this because he wants to see the worship, and, uh, the worship of God restored to the community. And that's what the walls of Jerusalem represent, the worship and blessing of God. Now, this doesn't take place without opposition. Right? In chapter 4, it said, when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, and others heard that the work on the walls had begun, they were angry and they plotted to stir up trouble. Because of this, Nehemiah arms half his men with weapons and armor right, to keep the people safe and to keep the project moving. So as we take a look at Nehemiah 6, let's, let's look at the first four verses this morning. Nehemiah 6, 1 through 4 says, When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plains of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. You see, Nehemiah had a call on his life, didn't he? Right, to rebuild the wall and to restore the worship of God among the people. This was God's will for him. But we see that there were other people who despised what Nehemiah was doing. If we look back in the previous chapters, in chapter 2, Sanballat and Tobiah, they mocked Nehemiah for wanting to rebuild the city. Then in chapter 4, they ridiculed the Jews right, as they worked. Then as they saw progress being made on the wall, they grew more and more angry, right. more, more and more hostile. And here in chapter 6, right, they're desperate. They're desperate because they see that the wall is nearly rebuilt. Their, ba their behavior is pretty much textbook behavior of a bully. Right? Mocking, questioning, ridiculing, intimidating, and all the while growing more and more hostile. Now you might be wondering, why, why are these guys right, so opposed to the wall being rebuilt? And there might have been other reasons, but the main one is that they were prejudiced. Right? The Bible says they were of other ethnicities. They were Horonites, Ammonites, and Arabs that despised the Jews and did not want to see them prosper. In the same vein, right, they did not worship the one true God. They didn't know the Lord. See, and what this story brings out is an ugly truth. And I'm not talking just about racism or anti-Semitism. It's that like Nehemiah, when you and I set out to do God's will, there will be opposition. This is what scripture teaches us. There will be those that come against us. See, we may not be building a wall around the city. We may not be constructing right, any kind of particular edifice 
right, in our community. But when we step out into the world and when we as believers seek to advance God's kingdom, when we promote Jesus' name in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, even within our own families, right, we arouse the enemy. And there will be people that mock us, ridicule us, and intimidate us. And we become targets when we seek to do the will of God. Right? And that's what's happening here in Nehemiah 6. So I think verse 2 is very important when Nehemiah says, but they were scheming to harm me. Right after first threatening the people working on the project, Sanballat, Tobiah, and these other guys, they turn their focus on Nehemiah. And they try to remove him from the project. Here in the beginning of the chapter, they pretend like they just want him to take a break. Right? Oh, relax. Come join us. Meet with us on the plains of Ono. Right? Sounds like someplace in Hawaii. Right? Come relax. Right? Take a vacay. Right? Never mind that it just happens to be the most crucial time in the project. But Nehemiah is shrewd. Right? He knows what they're trying to do. In verse 5, Sanballat tries to coerce Nehemiah to meet him by lying and suggesting right, that he's organizing a rebellion. He's trying to sully his reputation. In verse 10, they hire a false prophet. And so I'm just explaining here chapter 6 to you. Right? In verse 10, they hire a false prophet to tell Nehemiah he needs to hide in the temple. Right, which was forbidden by religious law, by the way. Right, but he needs to hide in the temple because his life is in danger. Right, like, we're concerned for you. Hide out. Stop the work on the, on the wall. Right, they try to appeal to his fears. And then in verse 17, he says that it says that Tobiah sent letters right, to other officials, to other influential people to further try and intimidate Nehemiah. But Nehemiah, he remains steadfast. He demonstrates discernment to the schemes of, of his enemies. In Matthew 10, 16, when Jesus sends out his disciples to preach, to teach, to minister, to heal, and to love the people, right, he says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. See, Jesus doesn't want his followers, he doesn't want us to be caught off guard. See, the world we live in is not a, not a hispot, hospitable place right, for the gospel. It never has been. You don't become most popular in your school, most popular in your workplace, or in the public square, or certainly not on social media, Right, by proclaiming the name of Jesus. In fact, we often become targets of others. But you know what? We know it's right. right? We know it's right to proclaim the name of Christ and the salvation of the Lord. We know he's the hope of the world. We know he's the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? Amen. And it's not enough that the Jews came together and got a little excited, right, to do God's work. 
but to finish the project, to see it through. They needed strength and perseverance. Right, they needed the courage to overcome fear and opposition. And it's the same in our own spiritual lives. It's the same for us. Every good work of God will be opposed by the enemy. Right? Know that he will try to negate it. The bigger the task, the stronger the opposition. And that's why our greatest times of growth almost always occur in times of crisis. Now, if you aren't seeking God's will in your life, right, or if this is all new to you, then you, then you probably aren't facing much opposition. See, when we go with the flow of the world, the enemy has no reason to fight us. If Nehemiah was casual, if he was lukewarm about his faith, Sanballat and Tobiah, they wouldn't care what he did. But when you and I try to do God's will, when we try to lift him up in our lives and and follow him, right? when we serve in the church, when we raise godly families, when we try to pray and share the gospel with others, when we help help the poor and needy, opposition will come. In verse 9, Nehemiah notes, They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen, strengthen my hands. So how do we remain strong? How do we not give in to fear or paralysis about what may happen to us or about what what people may think of us? All right, let me give you three basic things. All right, and consider these applications. First is pray. Right, you knew I was going to say that one. Right, pray. Look to the Lord for strength. At the end of verse 9, Nehemiah says, I prayed, Lord, now strengthen my hands. See, when we face hostility and intimidation, our dependence needs to be on God, not on our own fortitude. Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. See, when God's people do God's work, God supplies the strength. So pray and seek the Lord for strength. Second, focus on the task at hand. Right? Focus. If we look at Nehemiah, right? First, these guys try to draw Nehemiah away. Next, they try to distract him. Then they try to deceive him. And in verses 13, 14, and 19, right, you'll see that they try to intimidate him. But Nehemiah is resolute. You can see it in his response. He's steadfast. He says, why should I leave and let the work stop? Or should a man like me run away? I will not go. Stay the course. Right? It's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to become overwhelmed in our lives 
and walk away from the will of God. Walk away from the work that he's doing in your heart and in your minds. Remain faithful in the little things, which are not really little. Right? These things are hugely important. Pray, read your Bible, come to church, learn to serve. Right? Keeping focus displays right, and alleviates, I think, some of our fears. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. Third, remain in the body of Christ. One of the easiest ways to be overcome by fear and intimidation is to face it alone. Right? To not have anyone there to turn to for support and encouragement. It's like me in the movie theater, right? Until the row behind me stood up. Nehemiah wasn't the only one doing the work here. Right? He wasn't the only one being threatened. The Israelites were working together for a common purpose. Right? So they had to care for each other. They had to pick each other up. And this could be a picture of the church. Right? This is a picture of the church. Right? Working side by side to build the worship of God in our community but there's no way we do it. There's no way we survive without each other. See, support and accountability and fellowship are not just nice-to-haves in your life. To grow in your relationship with God, you need the person next to you, and you need the person next to them. And the old adage is true, right? That each of us are stronger when we're together. A cord of three strands is not easily broken, right, is what it says in Ecclesiastes. So remain, remain, remain in the body of Christ. See, this is a passage, this Nehemiah 6, it's a passage about fear and intimidation and how God's people are bullied and antagonized by those who hate them opposition to God and his word and his people is a sad truth in the world we live in. But there's a greater theme here. There's a higher theme. There's a, a, a greater takeaway here through this, that's running through this passage. Let's read Nehemiah 6, 15 and 16. It says, So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid. And they lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. See, when you look at that, right, six chapters of mocking, of ridicule, of threats, and hostility by this, this I don't know what you want to call it, this evil coalition and yet the people of God completed the rebuilding of the walls in 52 days, in less than two months. And you know what? There's nothing the enemy could do about it. 
See, in the end, beloved, we will be strengthened. We will persevere. Right? God will give us right, the ability to persevere and to follow through. God's work will be done. God's will will be accomplished. And not because of supernatural power. Right? Not because the Israelites or you and I right, are strong and cunning and smart and capable, but because God will complete what he has set out to do. Right? And he will complete the work he does in and through his people. And his name and his glory will go forth. And you see how in these verses, how, how the tables have turned. Right? And the bullies, Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, and all their people, right? they're the ones who are afraid. They're the ones who lose confidence. Because they realized this is the work of the one true God. See, ultimately, it wasn't Nehemiah's project. Right? It was God's project for his glory and his blessing. And he was in full control of the outcome. When Jesus was crucified, right, the enemy thought it was in the bag. But three days later, Christ rose from the grave. Right, and he took his place at the right hand of God. And we know he conquered sin, he conquered death, he conquered Satan. Right, God's will will not be thwarted. And it may take time, right, because God is patient and he wants as many people to come to him as possible. Right? But pray, focus on the task at hand, remain in the body of Christ. Let me close with Psalm 27.1. Right, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Let's pray. God, it is so easy for us, Lord, in our lives because of circumstances, because of other people, Lord, because of things that happen to us spiritually, so easy for us to get weak, to grow weak, Lord, and to lose our nerve and to sometimes, Lord, forget, Lord, how convinced, right, how much we know, Lord, that you are sovereign over all of these things and that you reign over, Lord, everything that takes place on this earth and in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would undergird us and give us strength and encouragement. We look to you, Lord, to help us each day to continue the work you're doing in our lives and around us and that you would use us for your glory and blessing. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.